You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 79. Today, we're sitting down with landscape photographer and educator Kristen Ryan to chat about taking a mindful approach to photography, mastering the technical aspects of photography to enable the creative side, being receptive to the landscape, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. We are starting to see some pretty dramatic fall colors here in Vermont. And if photographing the fall foliage is on your bucket list, then be sure to check out episode 74, where I share six tips for photographing the fall colors. And just a quick announcement, as I mentioned in last week's Tidbit Tuesday, I'm going to create an episode featuring you and your favorite photography or outdoor related tidbits. So if you would like to share your best, favorite, or most unusual tip, you can submit your response by clicking the link in the episode description or go to outdoorphotographypodcast.com and click the submit a question button. It's actually the same process you would use to submit a question to me to answer on the podcast. And since your tip will be shared here with a wide audience, be sure to share your photography website if you have one or a social media handle where you would like people to connect with you. Please submit your tidbits by Sunday, October 16th, and I will compile them for a future episode airing on October 25th. I really look forward to hearing from you and thank you to everyone who has already submitted their tidbits. This is going to be a lot of fun to put together. So thank you for participating. All right. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, landscape photographer and educator, Kristen Ryan. So let me give you a little background on Kristen before we roll our interview. Kristen Ryan is a fine art landscape photographer and educator specializing in capturing the grand and intimate beauty of our natural world. Photographing nature brings her a sense of calm and serenity, and she is passionate about helping others achieve that feeling through her teaching and retreats. Specifically, she loves to encourage women to find creativity and connection at her ladies' landscape photography retreats held in the U.S. and Canada and in her online community called Woman Capture Magic. And so without further ado, please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with Kristen Ryan. Kristen, welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Brenda. I'm really happy to be here. Yes, me too. I'm glad we we were able to finally make it work. Yeah, it took a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> schedules are hard, that's for sure. They are, yes. Yeah, totally get it. So I've already given the listeners a brief bio on you in the introduction, But I always like to hear from our guests a little bit about their origin story and how they got started in photography in the first place. So how did you end up with a camera in your hand one day? Sure. Um, 
You know, I think I've always had a camera in my hand, even since I was a little girl. I always took a lot of pictures growing up. And when we traveled, my mom did a fair amount of photography. My grandpa, um, over the, you know, just thinking back, I always had um, times that I would take pictures. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I love to capture, you know, friends and travels. Um, when I was in college, um, I went to Northwestern University. They had, there were some night classes, um, not associated with my degree, but I took a black and white film developing class. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting. Um, I had, I think I still have somewhere, um, Alice Millar Chapel on the campus, um, a, a photo nice. that I took and developed myself. So that was really fun. Yeah. And, and then as I had kids, um, as my husband and I had traveled prior to kids, you know, I took lots of pictures. It was really um, when my twins were born, and they are my mm-hmm. third and fourth children. When they were babies, okay. I was, um, I had always tried to take great pictures of my kids, but didn't really know what I was doing. And when they were born, I think I was really looking for a new creative outlet, a new challenge. And one day I finally just took a local class that taught me um, about shooting in manual mode. I didn't, I didn't even know what manual mode was. I thought manual meant like manual focusing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's how little I knew about what I didn't know at the time, but I took yeah. this class and it, it was like, oh, this is why, you know, I will sometimes get a picture that turns out the way I want. And sometimes I don't. And it like flipped a little switch in me. So that kind of sent me off, like telling my husband I needed a new lens and eventually a new camera. And I just kind of dove in. I think I was starving for something to learn and a new creative Mm -hmm. outlet. And that um, sent me to actually to a site called Click and Moms at the time found some classes. I started taking lots of classes, learning about light and processing and all the things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started out kind of focused on my kids yeah. because they were at the time, um, five, three and one-year-old twins. So wow. I it's was amazing all about that them. You, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing you had enough like <laughs> bandwidth to even consider picking up a camera, even if you were photographing your children. Just I know having yeah. four kids under five. <laughs> yeah, it was a little crazy. Yeah, um, you know, I actually at the time we I had um, a young woman also helping me a little bit with the kids because you know that's they're a handful. Yeah. And I wanted some time with my older kids and then um, also a little more time with each of the twins. And um, she is actually a photographer too. So that oh, was, cool. um, and yeah, it was interesting thinking back. Um, she does different kind of photography than me, but um, we had a lot of chats at, about photography and as I was learning. Um, so I did start out sort of like, Oh, I really want to take pictures of better pictures of my kids. And um, you know, that was a life I was immersed in. Um, but then it was about like nine months after I really started nine, 10 months after I really started learning how to control the camera that I had taken a trip, um, without the kids just by myself out to my grandparents' home in the Tetons and spent a weekend and Mm -hmm. just me and my camera and nature. 
And that weekend really was a, I see it as a, a distinct turning point that started leading me down the path of landscape and nature photography. Nice. In, in so what way did it, of, like, what do you feel uh, shifted for you? I think that, you know, up to that point with my camera, I had at the, at home been focused on my kids. I had taken a trip out there earlier in the summer with my family and was kind of a mix of them and the nature. But when I got to go out and it was just me and the camera and the nature, I still remember going on one of my favorite hikes that day and just feeling like it was the best day I'd spent by myself in, I couldn't remember how long. And just the whole week, my, my mom came and met me the se- like the second day. So we spent time together as well. And I just felt like I was completely in my element. Um, the Tetons are where I've, I think I fell in love with nature when I was a little girl and the mountains mm-hmm. and going back after I had actually, I had taken a lot of pictures there over the course of my life. And when my husband and I hiked all the backcountry trails, I have all the, oh, we nice. have all these film, film pictures. Um, but there was something about getting back there when I actually had knowledge of what I was doing and yeah. able to translate that into my camera. And it really... I just sparked something in me that started leading me down that path. I didn't stop taking pictures of my kids immediately after that weekend, but it was, it was kind of as they started growing up and I continued to explore the landscapes and nature um, photography side. I just eventually started realizing that that was really where my heart was with photography. It was a very distinct point. Yeah, it sounds like it. It bit you. <laughs> you get bit it by did. the bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. Yeah, I felt like, oh, this is just amazing, and it it was all about me. I think that was the or me and the nature and my connection with nature. Um, yeah. Where I love to photograph my kids, but at the same time, you know that that had to involve them, and it had to involve their cooperation or my manipulation of their cooperation. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, making you know, and and I think that I loved that. You know, the landscape and nature was just all about my own self, my own emotions, my own connection with the natural world, um, my own art, and it didn't, yeah. it didn't need to, it didn't need to involve anybody else. Right, you could just respond to it. Exactly, and I think that. I discovered, I have discovered that I am with my photography. I love to go out and, and allow, you know, the environment to speak to me. I like to respond to something that is making me stop and Mm -hmm. take note. That's making me feel something and to find the beauty in whatever is in front of me rather than design a situation to take mm. a picture, you know, cause there's yeah. a lot of fa- fantastic photography that is set up and designed. Right. And I think that for me, it's more about, um, allowing something to really speak to me and then translating that into my camera. 
yeah, a lot of people who are doing landscape photography, you know, planning is a big part of their approach to creating their different compositions that they have in mind. Yeah. Um, rather than just yeah. kind of go with the flow and see, just see what you see. And sounds like, uh, and do, do you do any planning or do you try to be just more responsive in the moment? I think that, um, I think initially I probably did even more, I did more planning um, and more hoping for certain conditions. And over the years, um, I still might have, I often will have a location potentially in mind that I'm going to start at, um, mm-hmm. or if I'm, if I'm shooting like the Milky Way or something like that, that certainly involves planning so that I'm not going out in the middle of the night, um, without knowing what I'm doing. But, yeah. um, I feel like I have learned that, you know, back in the day when I would go to a certain location, be hoping, hoping for maybe certain conditions that when those didn't happen, I always ended up seeing something different and capturing beauty in a, in a way that I might not have expected. Yeah. And that, that kind of taught me that, you know, whenever I do go out, there's going to be something that I'm going to find beautiful. So now my approach is a little bit more, okay, I'm going to go to this place. Uh, I mean, it might be at a certain, you know, it might be sunrise. I, I love sunrise and I can get my butt out of bed. Um, <laughs> but I, but I'm open to whatever that morning brings me. And actually sunrise, I think is most unexpected because you wake up in the dark and have much less, um, it's like a surprise. Yeah. Cause you just don't know what it's going to bring. Right. Like a su- sunset, you can kind of anticipate looking at the clouds or sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but sunrise is like, you know, you either get up and go or, or you don't. And, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I would say, I mean, I, I sometimes have a plan, but I'm always open to allowing the plan to change. Um, yeah. And just react to what, what mother nature brings. Cause you can never predict. <laughs> I mean, right. sometimes maybe yeah. you can, but for the most part. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I wonder if some of that taking that more responsive approach comes from being a mom in a, in a way in that, you know, I have a little daughter at home. And so my time going out to do photography is pretty limited as well. And we also have two cows. And so, you know, every morning and every evening, I'm taking care of the cows. And in between there, I'm also taking care of my daughter, obviously. And so yeah. um, it's pretty unusual for me to have the opportunity to actually do a sunrise or sunset photograph or composition. I don't really have a lot of opportunities for that. And so when I do have a chance to go out, it's usually in the middle of the day, which most people are like, oh, that's a terrible time to do photography, you know? <laughs> right. Like, why um, would you do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> but if it's the only time you have, then, you know, you make the most of it. And so I wonder, do you think that having a more restrictive schedule in that way has made you be more responsive in finding the beauty in front of you, regardless of whether it's, you know, incredible light? Yeah, I definitely do. For sure. Because my opportunities to travel or to, I don't get out, to be honest, I don't get out at home very often at all, just because, 
you know, it, life is so busy with them. And then I have such a backload yeah. of images <laughs> that, right. you know, that I feel like I'm going to get to them like, okay, well, I really also need to work on those. But um, yeah, my, you know, being a mom of four is, is so busy. So opportunities to shoot at home are, you know, hit and miss. And, and definitely my, my husband's out the door by 6am. So, you know, as they, especially as I couldn't leave them, like I can't go to sunrise during the week for sure. And so that's usually like driving and dinner and, and, and then my opportunities to travel have become greater over the years, but nevertheless are still, are still limited. So Mm -hmm. I have learned, you know, it's like, I go somewhere and I get what I get and I have this limited finite amount of time and whatever is in front of me is my opportunity to photograph. So I definitely feel like that has led to the approach of being open to, to whatever that opportunity is and to see, see the best beauty in that moment. And sometimes it isn't, you know, I think we're all inspired most by certain things, subjects or conditions, but mm-hmm. you know, when you don't get those, but then you've, you learn to see beauty in other, other subjects or other conditions. And I think that I used to stress about it when I would go away and I'm like, Oh, that's not what I wanted the weather to be. And, and I would go <laughs> and I would, I would still come home with images that I really loved. And so I finally learned, like, I don't know why I worry about this because I can't control it. And I always have a wonderful time. And I always, you know, I always come home with images I love. So, you know, it's just silly to, to worry about it. I mean, granted, you know, the days were, you get those like just jaw dropping conditions and you're, you're jumping up and down like a toddler. It's amazing. (laughs) But, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, I mean, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but sometimes I find that even when those things don't happen, that I, I still just really find a lot of beauty and enjoy the experience and have images that I love. So it is, it's taught me definitely a lesson in that way to, you know, to not have those expectations, um, or to be as disappointed as I was when I first started. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, you know, my, my world has expanded over the years, you know, with landscape photography feeling always like, you know, like the wide angle grand landscapes, which I love clouds. I love amazing dramatic skies. I mean, my yeah. kids will be like, look, mom, you got your clouds. I yeah. mean, I could just like, st- <laughs> <laughs> like, look, I'm like, I know, I know. Um, it's so cute. I love, I love clouds. I could just watch clouds like float over mountains all day long and be just happy. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, in the beginning it was, I, I was very like, Oh, wide angle. And that was my favorite and my, what I love to do. Um, and, and that's definitely changed and expanded over the years, which I, I think helps as well. Um, in terms of, you know, feeling like no matter what the conditions I'm going to see beauty and I'm going to be excited about it. And, um, and find things that I want to spend time 
photographing. Yeah. It's so cute that your your kids know about the clouds. My daughter will say the same thing. <laughs> she knows. I, yeah, she's like, if it's rainy or foggy, she's always like, oh, mama, did you see the fog? Is it a good day for photography? And it's like such a big word for her oh, to say I right now because she's three. Yeah, it's so yes. cute. And I'm always like, it always makes me melt, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, so, it yeah. is. It's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah. couple of Two of my kids in particular, my daughter, she'll be like, look, look at that. Look at that beautiful sky. Quick, take a picture. And I'm like, there's yeah. like telephone poles. And right. I'm like, yes. Okay. I'm like, all right, I'll get the picture. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they definitely, they've picked up on that. Yeah. They, they start to pick up on what you notice and appreciate. And so they become better observers as well, you know, and I think it's, yes. it makes me so happy to see her, my daughter, you know, when we go on little nature walks and things like that, like she's starting to tune into little intricate parts of nature and appreciate them, like, or at least approach them with a sense of awe and curiosity, rather than just trudging through the forest and onto the next game at home or whatever, you know, and it, it just makes me so happy that she's picking up and maybe it's completely natural for her and not coming from me at all, but like it, it just that she can pick up on these parts of nature that she feels like she's connecting with. And um, I just think that's such a good thing for little kids to have. <laughs> I wish all little kids had yes. the opportunity for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. And I bet she definitely picks a lot of that up from you, you know, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Maybe it is natural to her. I mean, I, I think of like my four, we just got back from uh, a few weeks ago from a trip around Italy. And we part of our trip was um, a few days in the Dolomites. So oh, that wow. was like my, my husband left that to me, like what we were going to do on the, the mountain side of things. Yeah. And so we went on some hikes and my kids are very different when it comes to hikes. Like one of my boys is very like, he would go further. He wants to do more, all like whatever we can do. And then there's my daughter who's not as much of a hiking fan and you know, doesn't <laughs> like the inclines. Um, and my, my daughter is one of my twins. She's 11. So she's not super young, but she's, she's still, she's still pretty young. And yeah. she, we started on one hike and she was like, she wanted to like go back after like a mile. Mm. And we would have barely seen like a fraction of what we ended up seeing, but there was some incline and it, you know, it wasn't easy for her. And we had to kind of, you know, just make her keep going until she got her attitude turned around a little bit. Um, yeah. but we would, you know, we, she'd be like, Oh, it's steep again. I'm like, it's okay. Just take it slow. <laughs> if you need to take yeah. a break, it's okay. You know, we get to the top of the incline and I would just be like, wow. Like every, every incline we got to, I'm like, wow, with the view. And then she, and she would like, really like the view. So I was like, That's you know, great. see, and eventually she stopped complaining. And like the next couple hikes we did, she was, she didn't complain really. Like she wasn't really complaining about it. I think she, she was enjoying the nature. Um, That's good. not to say that she <laughs> loves hiking the inclines, but, right. but it was like, you know, this is what you get. You get to see all of this. She's like, yeah, the views are really pretty. And in the end, I think she was like really happy to, to have seen it, even though she was a little yeah. begrudging to admit, admit it. Right. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but she does. Yeah. And then like, then one of the next hikes we went on, she was like, look, mom, look, like, look at this view. So, so it was great. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see the things, you know, through their eyes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we've had a lot of photographers with music backgrounds on the podcast, and I understand that you were once a freelance harpist. So I'm curious, in what ways, if any, do you think your music background has contributed to your photography practice? Yeah, I I think that it definitely has. And, um, you know, I mentioned earlier when I when I finally had taken that opportunity to start learning more about how to control my camera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, like I said, my twins were babies. Um, I had been a freelance harpist from, um, like before kids. And then I continued to do it when we lived in Chicago with my oldest son, I played at the Drake hotel in Chicago for their tea when he was a baby. And when we moved out of the city, and I was pregnant with my second. I left that job because it just didn't make sense to be commuting into there. But um, I I continued to do a little bit. And then when I was pregnant with my twins, you know, that became too hard. And, and then it just like gigging just wasn't really working. And I didn't have time to play and, and for enjoyment or for to challenge myself anymore. So I was really lacking um, that creative outlet. And I think that's one of the reasons I ended up taking like, um, a step toward the photography because I I came home from that one day of learning about photography. And I was like, I feel like I did when I would, when I was learning the harp and I came home with a new piece I was excited about. And I just, you know, wanted to keep play and play and play. Um, and I think, um, you know, it definitely, you know, there's that creative, aspect both of the harp and photography and then there's also the technical sides of both of those things and um i think that you know knowing how i went about doing things with the harp and practicing and how important those technical things were in leading to um those technical foundations leading to my ability to play more expressively I think also translated to um, photography for me. Um, yeah. You know, there's, I think there's a lot of parallels between, between music and, and photography. I mean, obviously they're both art forms, but. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree. I have a music background as well. And, um, and I, I have also found that there are a lot of parallels there, especially with like what you're talking about is establishing that technical base or foundation. Mm-hmm. And it it's interesting when I when I look at sort of my background in music and how I approached that and how I've approached learning photography, they've been very different in some ways. And that with the music, I never expected myself to play, you know, at a professional level when I was still learning the technical side of things, you know. I mean, yeah, I played right. in bands and orchestras and um had solos and things like that. So I had to prepare for those things, but it wasn't like there were, I always knew there was something more for me to learn from the technical side before I could feel like I was a really good, I was a trumpet player, like really had a really good sound. Um, And with photography, I feel like I did focus on the technical stuff in the beginning because that's where I was most comfortable. 
but the, yeah. I think it's easy for some people. And I, I put myself in this category to think, to have higher expectations of your output <laughs> capability earlier on, you know, like you want to have that yeah. award-winning photo or that epic shot or whatever it is, even though you're, you haven't put in all of the time and effort and practice and repetition that you might have from learning how to play a musical instrument or training for a marathon or, you know, anything else that requires sort of that grunt work to get to a place where it's easier and, and you can then be more expressive or more creative with it. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why maybe it's the comparisonitis that happens on social media or something where people pick up a camera and they think they're going to be like perfect at it from the get go. Uh, Yeah. Maybe. I wonder if it's just because, you know, with, with the many, many types of cameras and of course our phones that, I mean, everyone is, everyone is a amateur photographer in that they can take a picture. Right. So maybe that's why, because, because the, the act of taking a picture is, is actually simple. That's true. (laughs) You know, I mean, in, in, in the fact that anyone can just click that button, anyone can press the button on a phone or on the camera. It doesn't, it doesn't make it a good photo but everyone right. can actually do it. Right. Right. That's true. So like yeah. the, the physical act of doing it is, is something anyone can do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, I feel like, you know, it can be frustrating to someone who's learning photography. And I know it was for me too, a very, in the very beginning of wanting to create, you know, compelling compositions, but failing over and over again, being like, ah, this isn't working, but I don't know why it's not working, but I want it to work. And so, you know, how do you balance learning the technical with someone who also wants to be creative in their photography? And like, do you really think that, that they have to learn the technical stuff first before they can start being more expressive or can they kind of go hand in hand? Like, can you learn them at the same time or simultaneously? That's a hard question, I think. It's, yeah, I mean, I definitely know through, you know, friends and students, people who seem to think of themselves more as creative photographers, that they don't get as bound down by technicals or like they think more, they don't try to focus in on technicals, I guess, as much. And then people who feel more technical, um, I feel like you could kind of go with both but in a sense that you see something creatively and then you try to figure it out mm-hmm. but you know it, in that sense like you're almost working backwards because you see right like a see something in your mind um i just i find it to be much easier if i if i think of some like a technique i want to learn that if I really understand the technicals and don't have to be thinking about that, then that allows my creative vision to, to come a lot more easily, you know, or if I'm, you know, especially like thinking about settings or I love long exposure photography so much. 
And I have the opportunity, whether it's water or clouds and, you know, just that process of working with filters and um, figuring out, you know, all those different settings and things that need to happen in order to have the final image represent the movement and look that is in my head. I -hmm. think without without practicing the process um, so many times, it would be, it's, it would make it harder to, to get that final vision. Yeah. Um, you know, I know um, for a while I taught an online class with, um, with clicking moms and people would say, it's landscape photography. And they say, well, I don't know if I should take it because I live in a place where there aren't really pretty landscapes. And, you know, just kind of like a flat, boring area. And, and they're like, you know, well, I still get a lot out of this. <laughs> and I had a couple answers for that. And one of them is that you'll probably be surprised at the beauty that you can find if you actually go out and make the effort to do so. Because yeah. there were lots of people who were like, oh, I actually found a lot of beautiful spots where I live that I really didn't see before. But the second thing I had said is that, you know, if you're going out and you're practicing some of the techniques, whether it's bracketing exposures or using filters for long exposures or trying panoramas or anything that is a bit of a technical process and you're doing it in your local environment where you can go back over and over, you, you might not be in that amazing spot with the amazing light that you have. 30 seconds to capture it, you have the time to figure out your technicals. And then when you go to that amazing spot on your vacation, um, or you're just, you know, in a local spot with incredibly amazing conditions, you already know what you're doing and you feel confident to put that into practice without having to be thinking so much about your settings, but just how, can you creatively capture the scene in the most compelling way? Right. And that's where I feel like people who, who potentially skip over certain technicals. I mean, I don't know. Some people may really be able to not worry about it. I don't know. But for me, I feel like understanding the technicals well helps me to be able to execute the creative side and to be looking more creatively. If I'm not worrying about, the technicals of my camera, then I feel like I'm just thinking, I'm just looking and Mm -hmm. absorbed in the creative and creatively seeing or framing, you know? Yeah. I get what you're saying. Cause like, um, this past summer, as some of the listeners, listeners know, I busted my foot and so I couldn't do any hiking. And so I was left to, uh, literally photograph just my backyard, just what we had in the backyard And so I decided to invest in a macro lens because I had been wanting to get one for a long time and I just hadn't. So I thought, you know, this is my good excuse (laughs) to finally make that purchase. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, and so it was a whole new world. Like I've done close-up photography before and I've done, you know, close-up slash arguably macro. I don't don't know the distinction so much, but um, with a telephoto lens, but I couldn't get up really close to the subject. And now that I can, you know, my focus distance is much smaller with the macro lens. 
how that has impacted depth of field, I knew it would, but how it has, has really been surprising. And so I feel like it was almost going back to square one in terms of learning the technical side of things and how, like, so I felt like how I was composing where the depth of field would be, what settings would correspond to what I had in mind for what I wanted in focus and not in focus. All of that went out the window from what I had learned doing, you know, landscape photography or just, you know, small scenes even. So it's been really interesting. It has put me way out of my comfort zone (laughs) in terms of being able to create compelling photographs or photographs that I like that, you know, when I'm out in the woods or, you know, hiking along a stream or something, I can create those compositions without having to think about the technical side so much because that's what I'm used to doing. Mm -hmm. But doing the macro, I had to really start thinking a lot and and do things in in a way that I hadn't really done before maybe some approaches that I took for granted when you're focusing at a farther away distance, you know, your depth of field is bigger. Yeah. That makes such a, it is such a different experience. Like when you get so close, you're like, even closed down, you're like, Oh goodness. Yeah. (laughs) There's not much in focus still. Nothing. And you can have that vision of like this, like nicely detailed thing. And then you discover, Hmm. Not so much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that, yeah. So, yeah. So that, I think that's, that's like what I was saying or how I feel like it is like you have a vision say for what you're going to create, but then because you, you didn't understand the the specific tacticals of macro, you, you didn't get your vision. Right? right. Because you haven't yeah. figured out those technicals first. And yeah. then once yeah. you have those technicals, then you're, as you have a vision, create a vision, you can connect that back to what technicals you need to use in order to translate that to the image that you see being your final image. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that's exciting for you to do the macro. Yeah. And to like add that to all your tools. And I feel like experimenting with different genres and types of lenses and so forth just gives you, teaches you new things and makes it, makes it more exciting. Yeah, for sure. It was really neat. I, I often will, as a, like a creative exercise, I'll put restrictions on myself, like, especially if I'm feeling in a rut And I'll, you know, Mm -hmm. tell myself like, oh, I can only photograph this one subject for a month or I'll only able to use this focal length or whatever. And but I I often will not stick to the timeline and Mm -hmm. not really hold myself accountable for those things. But for this summer, I literally did not take the macro lens off the camera. Part of that was because of my physical limitation. I couldn't actually go anywhere. and And I but I really also I was so like, stumped <laughs> by the process that I really wanted to keep practicing it, you know, and, and it was actually, I was very grateful for it being summer because I had flowers. We have, you know, a bunch of perennial gardens that I maintain. And so, you know, there were plenty of flowers to explore and lots of insects and things like that. And so I don't think mm-hmm. I would have otherwise taken the time to do that. Yeah. I didn't even during the pandemic when we were on lockdown, because we live in such a rural area, we were still allowed to go hiking, you know, because often I'll go on a hike and not see another person. And so I didn't feel 
that limited or, or squashed by the pandemic in terms of landscape and nature photography, but not being able to hike at all meant, you know, my world shrunk quite a bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so def- yeah, it was definitely true. Yeah. So it actually it was turned out to be a really good experience because I don't think I would have done it otherwise. And um, I did learn a lot. So do you think you'll keep using that macro lens? I think I will. Yeah. I, now that I am back to, to starting to hike a little bit, I'm curious to see how to use it on trail. Mm-hmm. Find different things. Yeah. That'll be fun. It'll be yeah. fun to add to your bag. Yeah, for sure. So I understand that teaching photography is a big part of your photography business and that you lead landscape photography workshops specifically for women. So what inspired you to create these workshops and what kind of an experience do they provide? Yeah. So back when I, you know, after that initial trip to the Tetons, when I kind of dove into landscape photography, um, kind of started developing my skills there. Eventually I, so I mentioned I had, um, when I first started learning, I had found a site um, that was at the time called Click and Moms. It's now um, Click and Company. Um, they've expanded. But at the time, it was called Click and Moms. And I had taken a bunch of classes there. The class I had taken in person locally had had uh, mentioned that site. So I had found them. And as I you know, was sharing lots of my landscape photography. I was getting response um, from the women on the site. Um, Name Click and Moms, as you can probably imagine, it had attracted um, majority of women as their audience. Yeah. And people were asking, you know, they were suddenly people were like, oh, I love landscape photography. I'd love to learn more. Um, The site had, the classes had, light classes and processing and composition and various stuff like that. But there wasn't anything about landscape photography. So while I had learned some other stuff on that site, most of my landscape photography learning had been um, on my own out in the field through practice. And so I ended up pitching to them a landscape, online landscape workshop. So I started teaching that back in the fall of 2014 um, I only recently stopped teaching that with them just because my retreat schedule has gotten and home life has just gotten really busy. But mm-hmm. um, so that was a four week workshop, online workshop. So I had taught that for a few years and it developed a, um, a community of women that had all taken the class. Um, it was twice a year. So I had built up kind of an alumni Nice. And I had um, the Click and Moms company had started a conference that I had gone to teach at a couple of times, and I had th- that then had the opportunity to connect with a lot of those women and teach cl- a couple classes there. And I just I loved the opportunity to meet with them in person and to connect over our love of, of landscape photography, but it was way too short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and, and not in like, a lo- it wasn't really in a location that was really best for landscape photography. And I just started feeling like, well, I'd love to create you know, an in-person experience with a small group of women where 
we can go out and shoot together. I can, you know, teach anything that I know that I can offer to them, um, where women come together to experience the nature, to connect over, over the photography and to learn, um, and immerse themselves in photography for, you know, over a few days. And so for me, the, the very logical place to start that was in the Tetons because of my deep history there with my family. So Mm -hmm. I just had this vision of a, you know, I already could envision the whole experience being there. Um, but of course it took some, um, lots of different kinds of planning to put it together, but I just felt like when I looked up workshops and, and so forth, I, knew there were lots of landscape photography workshops, but I didn't really see anything that was um, all women. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like we needed something like that. And I wanted to do it in a way that where really it was about the connection between us, even as much as photography. Um, so I found some cabins um, that are in just outside the park um, where I'd been um, kind of been staying in the cabins as a kid, but they have a like this little area pizza place that was part of my whole childhood growing up. Oh, that's nice. And so, yeah. So to have women stay in these cabins together and um, that was kind of my vision for what I hoped to do in the Tetons. So um, I started that in the fall of 2017. That was my first first retreat with a small group of women. And it was really successful. So I planned another one for the next year. And then um, that sold out really quickly. So I added a second one there um, in 2019. And then I've gradually added um, a couple other locations, Banff and Glacier. Um, I've done one in Chicago for a weekend and Hilton Head. So, um, yeah, I just, I really felt like it was so amazing for women to have the opportunity to learn and be out, um, with other women. Mm -hmm. I think not anything against men at all, (laughs) because I have a lot of men photographers I like, Mm -hmm. I just felt like it was a special thing. Um, I know for me to connect with all these women that were into landscape photography and, um, I know I've had some of them, you know, there've been a lot of people who it's their first workshop. It's their first doing something of that kind. And I think even to come in a small group of women, they still feel like it's, it's a big deal, like out of their comfort zone. And I think it's, it's given, it's definitely given some of them, I think, um, the courage to, to take that time for themselves and to immerse themselves in photography and, um, maybe not, maybe having like it be all women is a little less intimidating for some women, not all women, mm-hmm. but I think for some, um, sure. so and it I, has I, been and I, very special to do. Yeah. 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 It sounds like it. I, I mean, there are, are guys who get together to do photography and I'm sure when it's, it's just the guys going out on a trip, you know, that experience for them is different than if they're 
spouses came along or if it was a co-ed trip or, or something. It's just a different type of dynamic. And, yes. you know, all of them are good. It's just whatever can resonate with you as a you know an individual, you might like it more to go in a, an all women's group or a co-ed group or whatever, but it's so nice to have the opportunity provided for that to happen. Yeah. And I just, I, I wasn't finding that. And I felt like that was um, a special opportunity that would appeal to a lot of the women that were in my audience. And there was so much enthusiasm for it that, you know, that's why I've kept expanding. I've had, I've had men who are like, when are you going to offer the co-ed, co-ed workshop? But, (laughs) but what I'm doing, I feel like what I've been doing has been so well received and um, really wanted by the the women that I've had in my audience with lots of people who keep coming back that um, it's just something that I'm very passionate about. So I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that. I really love what I do for, for the women yeah. right now. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And, um, but yeah, it's, it is, of course, all about photographing um, a location, you know, wherever the place is and um, giving women the opportunity to share all that I can share with them, help them in whatever their journey is, wherever they are in their photography. I have people that mm-hmm. come at different levels. Some people are more advanced and they kind of want to do their own thing. And, you know, if they want feedback, they can ask. Other people want a lot you know, a lot more demonstration. They're a little bit newer into their photography learning and both, you know, all the paths and in between are um, great as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I definitely try to lead it where it fosters, you know, connection among the women and encourages them to follow what's speaking you know, to them while we're out. That's really important to me. Yeah, that's great. And I understand that you also have an online community called Women Capture Magic. Is that sort of an extension of your all women workshops or is that something totally different? Um, it's a little bit of an extension. It's like, uh, it's just, it's sort of like an umbrella, I guess, over okay. um, what I do. Um, I, had, you know, I had been teaching that online class before, and then I had my retreats and I had like an alumni group for retreats and alumni for my workshop. And then I have just women I connect with. And so I just created this, um, community. It's through mighty networks is the platform, Mm -hmm. um, just for any women, nature photographers to come on there and connect. The community is not like based around my workshops. I have separate little groups for each workshop within that community um, platform. Mm -hmm. But the community is really just an opportunity for women to come on and to connect and learn from each other and um, just kind of be a space that, you know, they can share, ask questions and so forth. It's still pretty new. I haven't been Um, I haven't had it up there too long, but Uh it's just, and it's a small, small group. Um, you do have to request to join. I don't require anything other than just, you know, being a female photographer who wants to, to connect. So 
but yeah, just rather right. than having people, you know, trolling through is kind of right. the reason you have to request. Yeah. 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 So, that makes sense. It keeps it yeah. as, as a safe environment then. Yes. That's the idea of it. Not so much yeah. to, you know, so I don't, I don't ask a lot of questions. Like, and I'm not like, Oh, you have to be a certain anything um, other than a female nature photographer. Right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, so I read on your blog that you've been choosing a word of the year for the last couple of years. And for 2022, the word of the year for you was mindful. So now that we're entering into mm-hmm. the last quarter of the year, I'm curious, in what ways would you say this word has impacted your photography practice this year? Oh, um, you know, this word, I think, <laughs> has impacted my photography and my life significantly this year. Um, this, this past spring at the end of uh, May is when my kids finished their school year. Mm-hmm. And we had, I had my youngest two finish their elementary school and my middle guy finished junior high. So it became the year that now that they've started school, junior freshmen and two sixth graders in the middle school. Gotcha. And it's kind of a year that I, I knew in my head, like I, those are ages, the way they match up, but it was one of those, you don't really ever think it's going to happen. You know, right. it's like, Oh, that's so far <laughs> off in the future. That's, that's never really going to happen. And when, when the end of the year started coming, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is, this is real. Um, and it was kind of, it kind of hit me a bit like a, a wall, um, emotionally. Um, just, it feels really big to me. And suddenly they feel like, you know, my oldest is going to be going off to college in two years. And that is, um, really emotional. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's crazy. And they're, they're doing big things. Um, so, um, I think that has made me additionally mindful in my photography, um, mm-hmm. because both in, in how I approach my business and my art that, that I want everything that I do to be important and meaningful with the way I spend my time. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it reflects in what I'm putting, where I put my efforts into my business and where, um, I spend my time photographing. And, and I think just how I photograph as well, because I think just this period of my life, it makes me realize like just how quickly time goes and it just makes me very grateful I think for the moments I have with them and the, and the moments that I have doing my photography because getting out into nature um, I is when I am most in the moment mm-hmm. which is really critical for me <laughs> because yeah. I think that really like you know my kids have big things going on. It it can create a lot of anxiety and like, um, 
you know, my oldest just started driving and, Mm. you know, worrying about (laughs) them getting to do all the things that are so important to them. I, I feel those emotions for them. And I feel my emotions pretty, pretty deeply in general, both, you know, um, sometimes bad and good, but Mm. I think that, um, being out in the nature, I, I become so in tune with what's in front of me that I'm like all about that light or that moment. And it like really just, I'm just in that moment, which is really good for me (laughs) because I, I put aside some of those, um, worries about the everyday life and my kids. And it is just kind of where I am like, I'm sort of centered and calmed. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that has um, been a really big part of my photography this year is just, you know, really being in that moment and giving me that calm um, outside of my crazy home life um, Mm -hmm. and just being, yeah, just really being thankful too for for those moments that that I have to to capture the beauty in front of me. I'm just really grateful to have those to have those yeah. moments. So I think that's where you know it's kind of multifaceted where that mindful word has come into my life. Both um, you know my approach like with the actual camera as well as the time I put into, into my photography. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense that you're, you know, being where you are in your family life right now, that balancing how you're spending your time between your family and your business and your own personal enjoyment of photography and your enjoyment of your family. Like it's hard to balance all of those out sometimes. And so I really like that as a word of the years, being mindful and keeping and the forefront of your mind of how am I going to spend my time and energy next? You know, I heard somebody on a podcast recently talking about essentialism and sort of how to live your life according to what's essential. And that, mm-hmm. you know, the word, the word priority used to mean one thing, you know, the, the top most important thing there were, there was no plural of that until recently. <laughs> and now we all have like yeah, a gazillion yeah. priorities <laughs> that are pulling priorities, us in multiple yes. directions. None of them end up being a priority if all of them are priorities. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so one way he described it was to use this acronym win what's important next. And I just thought that kind of just stuck with me. And I was like, oh, that could be so useful when you're feeling, you know, pulled in all of these directions. It might help with the mindful yeah. approach of just thinking, okay, well, what's important next right now, you know? Yes. I, you know, that, yeah, I didn't, I haven't heard, I hadn't heard um, that it described that way. But definitely, I think I approached that in the spring when my kids finished school because I was a a little bit once that summer hit and things got crazy. And I'm like, this is just nuts trying to do all the driving, all the texting, all the everything. And then, you know, my photography stuff. And I ended up, um, I had a webinar and then I had my June Teton retreat at the very end of June. And then I, um, I did a workshop in Chicago and then taught at a conference in Chicago in early July and I kind of said to like myself at toward the end of 
before I left for the Tetons when things were just sort of like chaos at home, like after, after I get back from the, the conference in July, I'm like, except for, you know, whatever personal shooting I can do and whatever is absolutely necessary, like pretty much the majority of my business stuff got just moved over to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a lot of ideas of new online materials I want to work on and, um, I needed to get my retreats, you know, finalized for 2023 and a bunch of stuff. But I'm like, every time I set up a window, someone needs a ride somewhere. There's five kids at my house. Um, it was just, it was too much. And I'm like, I'm just, yeah. you know, we had a, you know, a two week trip to Italy plan. I'm like, I'm just going to put this to the side. Yeah. <laughs> there are certain things that I did and I, there are certain things I did. It's not like I ignored everything, but I'm like, this is just probably not going to happen. And if I try to set in my mind, this is going to happen and then it's disrupted, then I just get frustrated. Yeah. So I just slid it over. I said, my kids are most important right now. They have, you know, things I need to deal with them, take them places. They need my not distracted attention, or even if they don't, I need my brain not to be distracted. Right. And yeah. so I kind of, I, I put it to the side. I did what was really necessary. And when the day they started school, I sat back down and I started working through, you know, everything that is coming up and getting ready for my retreats that are coming up and, um, you know, kind of getting now they're off in school from seven to three thirty, And now I have my time that I can focus on, the things that just weren't fitting into the days when I'm like in and out of the car all day. So, right. yeah. So I guess I definitely use that when yeah. <laughs> acronym. <laughs> like what's important right now is I have to be a mom. Right. And in <laughs> six weeks when they go back to school, I can, you know, resume some of the things that don't have to be completed right at this moment. So, yeah. 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 And it makes sense. I mean, I've heard it said that, you know, parenting is the shortest, longest time or the longest, shortest time or something (laughs) like that. That, Like when you're in it, it almost feels like forever. Like they'll never get through this stage, you know, like when you're going through the toddler tantrum time or diapers or whatever, the teenage blues, you know, it's like, oh my God, this will never end. And then all of a sudden it's like blink. Yeah. They're off at college. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, enjoy it. And I suddenly I suddenly feel like that with my oldest and then my next will be a couple of years after that. But it just suddenly feels like that if I blink that we're going to be there. And, you know, it's like, I love my photography and I love what I do. And I especially love getting out in the field on the retreat. So it's, it's something that I will absolutely continue to do. But, you know, it's, it's hard when you're a, like a creative and driven person to like, you know, have all these ideas, but you just, you know, you can't, some can't of them just all. aren't going to work, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I just have to like, you know, do pick what's most important and do that because, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm also a great mom, right. <laughs> but yeah. you know, sometimes it can feel like, like, kind of at one point I was like, I don't know if I'm doing either one of these things very well. So, you know, <laughs> this one's going to take pride. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> I know that um, feeling. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so I was supposed to do this, but this is taking over and I was supposed to do this and now this one's taking over. So yeah. Um, yeah. so that's definitely, a, you know, I definitely have certain things where I'm like, Oh, I'd love to do that. But okay. We just got to like focus on what's, you know, the top priorities, like, you know, pick a couple yeah. of things. And I think, um, it was a good thing to, for me to do this summer to like, uh, take that time too, because it, um, I also like, you know, didn't spend as much time online didn't just spend as much time on social media and yeah. just kind of take a step back and evaluate, you know, I love what I do. What are the most important things for me to put, put my time in as they go back to school and we, you know, kind of move forward. But, you know, my retreats are scheduled also, I mean, partly around when I want to do a retreat, but they're, you know, my daughter is in dance and if she's got a big competition, I, I need to be there. So I had to wait right. for her competition schedule before I could finalize a couple of my retreats because yeah. she's only going to be little once and I don't want to miss that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to balance both sides of it. It is. It's definitely a challenge. And I think anyone who is trying to balance both can ag agree with that. <laughs> you know, I don't know yeah. anyone who's been like, oh, yeah. piece of cake, you know, I can fit it all in yeah. and feel, feel a hundred percent fulfilled in both. And it is a juggling act. And I think you're right. I think figuring out in the moment, what's the most important thing, you know, um, taking a little break from photography this summer is probably one, a great way to still stay present for your family, but then feel rejuvenated when you're able, you're able to more hit the ground running once they get off to school, instead of being like, Oh, I'm so behind and I'm burnt out and I'll never get this done. And you know, that can weigh every, everything down, even family life, you know? So I think knowing when is a good time to take a little bit of a break either way, you know, taking like a photography trip for yourself, for instance, at some point, you know, um, some time away from the family that both can be, be good in the out in the end. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that that's really important. And, you know, one of the other things when I, you know, why I do what I do is for women is partly because I feel like it is so important for us to take that time for ourselves yeah. and I Without feel like guilt. <laughs> for yes and for women to who come to to like one of my retreats for them it is it's you know it's their opportunity to take that time for themselves away from their family to come and immerse themselves in their photography with other women who love to do the same thing and and to have it planned out for them and yeah. I believe that's really I believe that's really important and, you know, I love what I do. And I think it's important for me to do something that I love to do. And I come home a better mom and more fulfilled. And yeah. I think it's great for my kids to see that I have something I'm passionate about, something that I'm yeah. successful about. You know, my, my boys, won't, I sold a couple of retreats out quick and they're like, they were like all like excited you know, That's they so thought great. it was awesome. So they yeah. felt proud of me, you know, They're like, and, go mom. <laughs> and, yeah. And they, and they thought, you know, it's nice to, to have them see that, like they are the most important thing to me, but it's good for them to, 
to see that I have something that, that I do as well, I think. So, absolutely. Um, so I do believe, you know, I believe in that. I think that a lot of women and especially moms don't, don't take that time for themselves that they put themselves last. And, um, I think it's, I think it's important that we do that, whether it's, you know, just something enjoyable or something that we do more professionally, but that we have those things for ourselves that makes us feel fulfilled. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that it is helpful for the kids, our kids to see our full human sides, not just our mom role, but who we are as people as well, which means we have other interests outside of being a parent, (laughs) even if our kids are the most important thing, you know. Right. Yes. I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we wrap things up, are you up for doing a lightning round? Sure. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. So first thing that comes to mind, mountains or seascapes? Oh, (laughs) I guess I'd have to lean. I, I really love both. I love to play with water and shutter speed for hours mountains probably have a slight edge though yeah (laughs) it's like a painful question (laughs) it it is it is if you can please put mountains and sea together that would be amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh what is one piece of gear that you can't live without that's not your camera lenses or tripod um my thermos that holds my coffee Ooh, do you have like a favorite kind you know what I do? Or, it's like Zojirushi or something funky like that is the brand. Huh. And it is, I got it on Amazon and it's amazing. It's like 20, they have different sizes, but I, the one I have is 20 ounces. The uh-huh. lid, as long as you got all the pieces, locks. Oh, that's nice. So you don't have to worry about it spilling. And you, it, it'll keep coffee warm, hot. I say not just warm, hot for hours. Or wow. if you use it as a water bottle, it'll keep ice and excuse me, ice in there all day. Wow. That's so incredible. yeah. So I, yeah, I often bring one on trips, like one for water, one for coffee. And like when we travel as a family, like each one of us has one for like as a water bottle because it's amazing. Wow. So, You'll have yeah, to send me the link. It. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I will. It's yeah, the best. Awesome. <laughs> What is <laughs> and I need my coffees for sure. Yes. So. <laughs> Especially for those sunrises. Um, yes. what is your least favorite saying in photography? Oh boy. Um specific saying. I'm so bad at remembering specific sayings, but probably just about following the rules. Yeah. Because I think rules are meant to be broken. So yeah. 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 Uh, center column or no center column? Um, I think center column. I use it sometimes. Yeah, I do too. I, I think they get a bad rap. I mean, I know they can change the balance of your tripod. So if you don't have it set up well, it, it kind of could be dangerous to your camera, I suppose. But yeah, I find it yeah. to come in handy. Except for when I want to yeah, get super low too. and then it's in the way. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. And that's the, that's the caveat. That's yeah. when it becomes a problem. But, but I do need it sometimes, especially because yeah. sometimes I, on my like lighter travel tripod, I sometimes need a little extra height. So exactly. Yeah. 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 
If you could go anywhere in the world to create photographs just for you, where would it be? Oh, that's tough. But I would say probably Norway. Mm. I'd really like been? to go there. I haven't no, been myself yet. I have but not. Yeah, it would be an absolutely beautiful place to go. And you would get both your mountains and your seascapes. <laughs> yes. New Zealand is another one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to go to New Zealand, but it's so far. That's my problem is that I think I would die in transport. <laughs> but, you know, if they can teleport us. Yeah. I, I couldn't go there now because I, I, I couldn't go that far away from my family. Um, yeah. Because I would worry if something happened, like it would just take too long to get home. Right. Um, yeah, but definitely like New Zealand is like up there very high once my kids go off to school. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I've got a like, long list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so final question, what does connecting with nature mean to you? I feel like it just feels like life. Mm. Like, you know, it's just essential to feeling alive to be out in nature it's like part of my sanity is mm -hmm. connecting with nature um actually as i sit here so outside um just beyond our property is a pond it is just a retention pond in a neighborhood but it is like it's got trees around it you can see the sunsets it's just very pretty and I can see it. We renovated our house to put a big kind of kitchen picture window where my sink is. And mm -hmm. I look out at every day at the wind blowing the trees and the, the ducks and like just all the things out there. And I feel like having that little pocket of nature like keeps me sane. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it like saved me during COVID being able to watch it. We had like baby owls around the pond the last couple of years. And oh, nice. So it is. Yeah. So it's, it, it definitely helps when I'm not able to get out and travel and explore. So I'm very thankful yeah. for it. But yeah, yeah, I definitely, I know I feel better when I get into nature, which is what, you know, I just feel like it's, it's essential to feeling um, calm and healthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's my experience as well. Um, well, Kristen, it's been so great chatting with you and having you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And if people wanted to learn more about your photography and any upcoming workshops or retreats or any other types of educational offerings you may have, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, my website is um, www.kristenryanphotography.com. Um, I'm Kristen Ryan Photography on Instagram. Um, you know, we're getting on Vero or Vero, however you say it. But I'm Kristen Ryan there. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty much where I am. Um, and then for any women who would want to join Women Capture Magic, that's just womencapturemagic.com. So um, those are the best places to find me. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I will put all those links in the show notes then. Great. Thank you so much for having me today, Brenda. It was so fun to talk, chat with you. Yeah, it was really great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kristen. And again, you can find out more about her photography and retreats at kristenryanphotography.com and her online community at womancapturemagic.com. And we forgot to mention during the interview that Kristen is kindly offering you 10% off her mentoring sessions with the coupon code OPS10 on the Kristen Ryan Photography website. So be sure to check that out. Again, thank you, Kristen, for coming on the show. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. All of the links and information we mentioned today can be found in the show notes at outdoorphotographypodcast.com slash 79. If you are enjoying the podcast, the best way to say thanks is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which you can do directly on the Outdoor Photography Podcast website. Or you could buy me a coffee through the website, which is kind of like a podcast tip jar. Or you could simply share the show with a friend. Each of these helps the show reach new listeners like you, and I really, really appreciate your support. And last but not least, I'll be back here next week with a Tidbit Tuesday episode where I'll give you a tip or answer your submitted questions. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast or a topic you'd like to suggest, just go to outdoorphotographypodcast.com and you'll be able to record your short message. And until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care.